We're going to again this morning take a look at the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. Uh, the last book in the New Testament, the book of Revelation. And, and it's a strange book in many ways, but it's also a deeply powerful book. We're calling this series Pulling Back the Curtain because that's what Revelation does. It, it takes us behind the scenes. It opens us up and brings us up into heaven to see what's going on today in our world from that perspective from God's perspective, and it is a powerful thing for us to see this. Last week, we looked at, at chapter 4 of Revelation, and, and what happened there is, is John was brought up into the throne room of heaven, into the throne room of God, and we, we looked at that and tried to create that picture in our minds of, of that throne of God. And there he is, just in, in, in inexplicable and unpenetrable light. He is, he is so bright. He is so holy. He is so pure. And he is so powerful. He's surrounded by that, that rainbow, that emerald rainbow. He's surrounded by thunder and lightning coming out of the throne and the seven spirits who are before him. And we also talked about the, the 24 elders who were there and the four living creatures and the, the sea of crystal. And, and we just said that, that we have to remember in a broken world, our God is powerful that everything is in his hands. He is in control. He created everything, and there is nothing that is out of his control. There is nothing that can challenge his sovereignty, his rule. He is the king of kings. And we said, you know what? We can live in this broken world knowing that whatever happens, God's got this. No matter what we go through, God's got this. This doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean it's always comfortable. But we know this. God is always in charge. This morning, we're going to go on and look at a different question. You see, because there's, there's something else we know. We know that this God who created everything has also promised from the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 3, from that early day of the Bible when sin entered the world, God promised that he would make all things new. God promised that he would restore all things, that, that he would crush the serpent, that the evil one would not win, that he would get his world back. And, and, and ever since then, there's been, in a sense, one question and it's the question that Revelation 5 answers for us. It's answered in other places in Scripture, but this is just such a beautiful, powerful passage that, that gives an answer. The answer to the, the question that we, we have to ask this morning is this, is how is God going to do this? How is God going to make everything new? He's promised to do that. We know he has the power to do that, but how is he going to do it? And, and more specifically, and this is the question of Scripture, how is God going to do that? How is God going to get rid of all the evil, get rid of all the brokenness without destroying everything and everybody? <laughs> how is God going to do that? We know he's big enough to get rid of all evil, but how can he do it without destroying everything and everybody? You see, the Bible makes clear that sin is something that permeates every part of us. It's, it stains every part of us. Now, that's not to say that we are as evil and horrible as we can possibly be. But it is to say that we are all touched by sin. Everything in this broken world is touched by sin. And, and God could, in a moment, just say, sin be gone, evil be gone, and, and, and all the sin and evil would be gone. But the bad news is, so would we. <laughs> we would have to be completely wiped out. The question is, how does God get the stain out without destroying the garment? <laughs> How is God going to get the evil out without destroying all of us? Th think of a story that occurs early in Scripture. Again, the other end, Genesis 6 through 9, is the story, some of you are familiar with, of Noah and the ark. 
What happens in that story is God looks at this world and there's sin permeating all this stuff. It's broken. It's not the way it should be. And he says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the best person, Noah and his family. I'm going to put Noah and his family in the ark, put some animals in the ark and so on. And then it's like he rains bleach to get rid of all sin that's out there. And he does it. So it's a fresh start, right? He's got the best human being at the time. And, 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 and so how's that going to go? You know how it goes. You know what happens. If you know the story, you know how it goes. Noah comes out and he sins. Because sin wasn't just out there, it was in Noah. And so how's God going to be able to do this? How, how's God going to get rid of all the brokenness, how the sin in this world, without destroying you and me? That's what Revelation 5 is all about. And this is such a beautiful, amazing picture. It starts in the throne room of heaven with a scroll. Revelation 5, verse 1. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. So John is there in, in, in heaven. And again, let's go back to this scene here uh, that we had with the, this. And we're going to move the, the four living creatures off to the side. And we get to move the sea of crystal down so we have some more room. But John is looking. And I don't know if it was there before. He just didn't describe it. But he's looking and he starts to notice that there is a scroll there. All right. There is a scroll there held in the right hand of God the Father. And this scroll is essential. This scroll is essential to making all things new. So what is it? What's on this scroll? As we go forward, we're going to learn. But I'm going to tell you now that, that what's on this scroll is the scroll contains God's, the final steps of God's plan for making everything new. Okay, The scroll contains the final steps of God's plan for making everything new. And specifically, the primary thing it, it, it contains is, is judgment. The judgment of evil, the destruction, the removal of evil. So this is, this is God's plan to make all things new. This is where we're going to get rid of the death and the brokenness and all that pain and hurt of this world. The scroll has the plan for that, for judgment, but also the triumph of his kingdom. So we want that scroll to be opened, but it's sealed, right? With seven seals. That means completely sealed. In that time, a, a document like this, a legal document, would have been sealed for a couple of reasons. One is that it would have been sealed because you needed to know that it was not corrupted, that it was authentic. This is the real deal. So they would take that scroll, tie it up, and put wax on it. And then with some kind of a seal, whether a ring or something else, they'd make a mark in that wax. And you couldn't open that without breaking the seal. And so if the seal was not broken, you knew you had the truth. You had the right document here. And in this case, God's own word. All right, so that seal is, it is authentic. It is trustworthy. It is reliable. The other reason it's important that the scroll is sealed is because it can only be opened by the right person. Not just anybody can open this scroll. I couldn't just go in and say, all right, let me open the scroll. No, you needed to have, you needed to have the, the right seal to say, I, I, I'm worthy of this. I have the right credentials. I can do this. And, and so John sees this scroll in the right hand of him. And this scroll is God's plan, the final steps of it to make all things new. And John said, what happened next is I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll. Who is worthy? Who can do this? Who can bring in God's kingdom? Who can do this? And so I imagine that again. John is there and he's watching and this angel shows up and he's a mighty angel. And he says, who is worthy to bring in the kingdom 
And, and then you got to let the drama of this, the story of this, because what happens next is one of the saddest moments in Scripture. But it's the human condition. This is what the problem is. No one, no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside of it. You see, you're not worthy if you're a sinner. You're not worthy if you're broken. And John hears no one is worthy. There's no animals because they can't open it. The angels could not open it. And every human being is touched by sin. And, and here's what this means. Here's the drama of this moment, okay? So no one is worthy to open the scroll. You know what that means? And this is true. This is, think about this as a reality for us today. If no one is able to open the scroll, what that means is that this world is destined to stay broken forever. What that means is cancer is around for eternity. Murder, hatred, lies, abortion, hunger, all of these racism, all of this junk, all of the pain, all of the hurts of this world, car accidents that kill people we love, whatever it is that you hate in this world, if that scroll does not get opened, it's all going to stay here forever. It will never be judged. And I will never get better. I will never be without my sin in my heart. I will never be without my brokenness. I will never be without my greed and my pride and my arrogance and my anger. <laughs> And there's only one right response, and John does it. He just weeps. I wept, and I wept, because no one was found who could, was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. No one is worthy, and John, John just weeps. He just falls, and the words that he uses here are, are sobbing. They are such deep pain. Because if this scroll doesn't get open, friends, darkness wins. If this scroll doesn't get open, it stays the way that it is right now. And, and we need to recognize that. Without Jesus Christ, we don't have a hero. There's no one who can open the scroll. No person is worthy of our trust. No human being is worthy of our worship. No human being is worthy of our hope. Because no one is worthy but one, uh, then one of the elders, and this is the gospel, and one of the elders said to me, John, don't weep, don't cry. Behold, see, look, look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and it's seven seals. There is a conquering hero. There is one who is worthy. There is one who can unlock the future. There is one who can bring in God's kingdom. It doesn't have to stay this way forever. And, and you could just imagine John's heart exploding with joy. Just imagine that this one, and, and it's the lion of the tribe of Judah, right? The root of David. Those are two Old Testament images. The lion of the tribe of Judah, Genesis 49, okay, verses 9 and 10. The lion, this is Judah, one of Jacob's sons, one of the tribes, and he is there, and it represents power. He is the powerful one. He is the one who will rule. And the root of David means a son of David, a child of David, the king. And so this is, this is the lion and the king. And, and, and by the time of Jesus, the people, when they used this language, they knew they were talking about the Messiah, the Savior, the conquering hero, and with all seriousness, the Lion King. 
That's what he's saying. The Lion King has come. The Lion King has conquered. The Lion King is powerful enough. The Lion King can destroy his enemies. The Lion King is worthy to open the scrolls. And I don't know how John pictured it at that moment in his head, if it was primarily looking and thinking lion with all of his glory and power, or thinking more king with power and riding on a white horse. But when John looks up, and this is the key to God's plan, and this is the strangest thing, because he's looking at the lion of Judah, He is looking at the Lion of Judah, the root of David, the King of Kings, and he sees a lamb. He sees not just any old lamb. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain. Now, John is not saying there that it really wasn't. It just looked like it was. No, this lamb had really been slain, but he'd come back from the dead. And so so he says it's looking like it had been slain, but it's alive. And it's standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And so imagine that. I mean, John is looking. And friends, this is what makes Christianity unique. This is what makes Christianity strange. This is the hardest thing for us to grasp because he's going to look at the lion of Judah and the lion is the lamb. The lion is the lamb who was slain. And if we claim the name of Christ, then we are people who say, this slain lamb is our hero, is our Messiah, and he is our king. Friends, this is who we worship. This is the one who changed all of history. This is the one where it all changed, and now now we can have life. And, And that says something about power. It says something huge about power. Now, we need to recognize something. John wants us to know that this lamb has power. Right? That's why he tells us that it has seven horns. Horns are signs of power. Seven is complete. This lamb has all power. This lamb is all-knowing. That's the seven eyes. But this lamb had all that available. But instead of using his power to destroy, he used his power to die. And he gave his life freely. And that's, the, that, that, that's at the heart of the Gospels. That's what they tell us about Jesus. Again, the lamb is Jesus. If you can remember it, think about it, or if you maybe never heard it, but Jesus, when he was arrested, the night when he was arrested before he was crucified, you remember that story? It's told in Matthew 26 is one of the places. And, 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 and the soldiers come out, and, and, and Judas points Jesus out to them, and Peter, one of the disciples, takes out a sword, and he whacks off the ear of, of one of the soldiers. He whacks off the ear of one of the soldiers, He's going to use power, right? He's the Lion of Judah. This is the Messiah. This is the Lion of Judah. And he says, we got to fight. It's time to rise up. And Jesus just looks at him like, Peter, do you think that your puny sword is about my power? He says, don't you think? This is what he says in verse 53. He says, do you think that I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? Jesus didn't go to the cross because he had no other choice. Jesus went to the cross because he loved you. 
The lamb has all the power. Jesus could have snapped his fingers, gotten 12 legions there, could have wiped out everybody, could have wiped out all the Romans, could have wiped, he could have gotten 20 legions, he could have got 100 million angels, whatever he wanted. Peter, don't you get it? Don't you get it? It's not going to be by power that destroys. It's going to be the power of self-sacrifice. See, the lamb has all the power of the lion. But the lamb gives himself up. And what we believe, what the core of the Bible teaches, is that Jesus conquered, the lamb who was slain, conquered by giving up his life. He conquered by dying for his enemies. And if we claim the name of Christ, then we must believe that there is a power greater than nuclear power. There is greater power than any army. There is a greater power than any power to destroy. It is the power to love. And it is the power of self-sacrifice. And what changes this world is not the power to destroy, but the power of sacrifice. That's what happens. And and now let me kind of tie this together by going back to that original question, right? What do we ask? How is God going to get rid of all the brokenness and all the evil, all the sin of this world without destroying anything and everybody? It's the Lamb. It's the Lamb of God who was slain. Because he is now worthy. He is an innocent sacrifice. He is now worthy. And and here's the deal. Okay, again, remember the scroll, right? The fact is, if God had opened the scroll before the Lamb was sacrificed, if God had opened the scroll, you would have all been dead. I would have been dead, right? Because we couldn't stand up to the judgment. But because the Lamb of God was slain, now the scroll can be opened. Now judgment can come, and we are not going to be destroyed if we are protected by the blood of the Lamb. Right? Isn't that amazing? Think about it. This, the the lamb, blood of the Lamb. Now this thing that was going to destroy us, it's like now we're protected. The blood of the Lamb has washed away our sins. Again, I'm so glad Eric mentioned that with baptism, right? It, it's the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the lamb will keep us, as, as God's judgments come, will keep us safe. We have to hide under that blood. This is why Christians get obsessed about singing about the blood of the lamb. Because it's only under the blood of the lamb that we are protected. It's only in the presence of the blood of the lamb that we are kept pure. It's only by the blood of the lamb that we can now have the scroll be opened. That, that's the gospel, friends, is that the lamb died, Jesus died so that we would have a safe place when the scroll gets open and God's judgment comes. And now he can make all things new and take us to our new home. And so the lamb went and took the scroll from the right of hand of him who sat on the throne. And again, think of it in the Gospels. This is Jesus ascends into heaven. And now he sits at the right hand of God the Father. And heaven explodes. Heaven explodes with worship. Because again, the whole thing was in question. The whole thing was in question because the scroll, it it couldn't be open. So it was either all going to stay broken or it'd be open and it's all going to disappear. But now the scroll can be open and God can make all things new. And, and, And when the lamb had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding the golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And so they're there and the lamb takes his seats and the el- seat and the elder falls down, elders fall down and they cast their crowns and they have harps to, to sing with and they have golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. 
the praises of the saints. So we're going to sing in just a minute. I want you to remember this picture, that when we worship God, whether here, whether at home, whether in our devotion, then there's an elder up there swinging this golden, and the prayers, the praises that we offer reach to God himself. We can bring glory to the Lamb. And they sang a new song, because they've never sung to the Lamb before. They always sang songs to the Father, saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. Why? Because you were slain, friends. It's the blood of the Lamb. And and with your blood, because you purchased people for God, that's why you're worthy of praise. From every tribe and language and people and nation, and we're still working on that one here. And and God, and the Lamb you've made, you made this group to be a kingdom and priest, to serve our God, and they will reign on earth. So this, the 24 elders, they're all singing this. And then John is just going to kick it up notches, okay? First, he says this. He says, then I looked and, and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and, and, and 10,000 times 10,000. That's 100 million. Um, but it means more than you can count. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. Okay, so John sees this, and now he sees and he shows us these hundred million plus angels that are just surrounding God's throne, and they're praising him, and, 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 and they're saying again in a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise and whatever we got. And again, it's the lamb who was slain. Jesus dying on the cross is the hope of the world. Because the blood of the lamb can protect us. And and now John kicks it up another notch, okay? This is so cool. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them, all right? And, And so John sees this and then somehow he starts to see the galaxies and he sees planet earth. And he sees all the creatures on the earth, above the earth, under the earth, the whales and the giraffes and the monkeys and the parakeets and the, and the people from every tribe and nation. And, 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 and there's this just amazing scene of worship as they sing, as they say to our God, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said amen. And the elders fell down in worship. Friends, this is, this is what John sees. Worthy is the lamb. We need his blood. In the power of his blood, we can live. In the power of his blood, God can make all things new. In the power of his blood. And so we worship. And we know that the lamb who was slain is our savior and king. And he... He is worthy of all our worship. In just a minute, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to have a couple of songs. The first one is brand new to us here. And so I'm going to ask you just to remain seated. If you know it, you can sing along with it. But it's a song that speaks out the the promise, the truth of Revelation 5. It does those images so beautifully. And then we're going to sing in Christ alone.